This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatane by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. Now, I should say that we are recording this on Saturday because I am doing the Kepler as we go to air. Not now, but will be on Monday. That's very exciting. Um, we're That'll almost packed. We're almost sorted. And it's going to be stunning weather. It'll probably pour like anything, but it's going to be stunning weather. And That's going to be very exciting. And who are we introducing today? It is my great pleasure to introduce Charlie Rahiri. Uh Charlie is... The as a senior political advisor to Minister Nanaya Mahuta, one of my most favourite humans on the planet, and I just, I love Charlie's work and the value that he brings to our not just our east uh, to our Bay community, which I truly value, but um, also just the value to the whole country. Charlie, it's a real pleasure to have you on here today, and thanks for joining us from your very unusual place. Kia ora, kia ora ngā mihi, kia koutou, o tira, kia koutou e mā takitaki moena, e whakarongo mai mā tēnā koutou katoa. Kia ora, Charlie. Charlie, ora. You, we start by asking people where they are, and you've got an unusual answer today. Where are you, Charlie? Yeah, I'm in Christchurch in MIQ, so we've uh, six, one more one more night, so six, six days ago we returned from quite an epic journey, um, literally circumnavigating the globe um, with Minister Mahuta, her first official journey um, around the world as um, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, so back home in New Zealand, but not quite home to Tauranga. <laughs> so where have you been? We went to. We started off in Australia, then to Singapore, then Indonesia, uh, Dubai, um, Doha, the United States, Canada, and then home. That's a round trip. It is a round trip, yeah, but it was it was done in stages, so it sort of played with your body clock and your eating clock. Um, yeah, but by the time we got home, a couple of days, and it's fine. What was the purpose of the trip? Uh, it was uh, a first, her first um, official meetings face-to-face with some of her counterparts in, in different countries. Um, and, yeah, so, so the sort of the emergence of COVID um, 18 months, two years ago, has, uh, has meant that there's, not, there's been not much travelling around the world. So that was, um, that was the purpose. And, and Expo, sorry. New Zealand had a large presence at, at Expo in Dubai, um, and New Zealand led out on Te Aratini, which was a festival of Indigenous peoples within Expo. 
was it weird? Has it been weird doing the 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 foreign affairs from a distance? I think it has been for the minister, although she's got this um, this, this natural ability, um, and I think somebody said it in Dubai: the innate ability as a as a wahine, um to connect, whether it's whether it's via Zoom or in person, um, that 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 they've got that ability to do that. You know, one of the one of the fascinating things when we're overseas, and um, I see my word is, but the um, the kawai sort of drew. Um, her co-I drew a lot of, of attention and a lot of, uh, um, I guess, intrigue, intrigue from a lot of her counterparts. Um, you know, funny story, when we were in Indonesia, every time she took her mask down, everyone's phones came up and <laughs> photos were being taken and, and things like that. But it was often a, a conversation starter. And did it feel kind of weird being out in the world? It did. Um, it did, but what it what it did for us was, uh, you know, there was a, a stark realization that that a large part of the world is open. Um, you know, for the first part of our trip, I'll, I'll use Sydney as an example. You know, I've been through that airport many times. You've always had to line up for food or coffee or things like that. It was empty, you know, and that was quite surreal. Um, the airport was was empty, and then um, Shanghai Airport in Singapore again empty. Uh, you know, then, then we reached Dubai and it's open and the airports are full of people. Dubai, Doha, um, Washington, Canada, you know, that's, they're, they're, they're open. Um, I couldn't get into, I've, we found a little bit of time to go shopping in Indonesia and I couldn't get into the, um, the mall uh, because I didn't have their vaccine pass. So, you know, that I think ours were, were launched here today. We're, we're probably behind a lot of the world. The same in Canada. You couldn't go into places without a vaccine pass. Um, they recognised our, our New Zealand vaccine pass, our vaccine certificates. But in, in Indonesia, it was like an airport. You know how you have to go through those regional screening barriers. Um, that's exactly what it's like in Indonesia. At every doorway, there's a screening barrier where they take your temperature and check your vaccine pass. Um, yeah. But we saw some pretty high-tech vaccine passes in other countries. And normally you bump into New Zealanders everywhere you go. Are there less of them out and about? Uh, we, well, we were pretty much confined to the the areas that we were visiting. But um, yeah, we, we obviously we saw New Zealanders because the embassies in different countries hosted us. Um, uh, but yeah, no, the, in Dubai... You know, a lot of New Zealanders who came up to say hello and just wanted a minute and just to talk. Um, yeah, but that was that was good to see people from home wherever we went. What was the highlight? Uh, I think Doha visiting the um, the Afghan compound. Yeah, it, it, it was a, a stark realization that you know um, I get it. There's the marches for freedom here in New Zealand, but freedom lot you don't understand freedom lost until you've lost freedom which is exactly what the people in, um, in the Afghan um, compound um, felt. That it, was, it was actually a nice compound. And there was a moment where we were, we were being driven through the compound on, on golf buggies and we went past the street and it was palm tree, a palm tree laden street. It was a boulevard. Um, you know, and I, I stopped, took a photo, and I think I titled it The Boulevard of Broken Dreams because on the side of the streets were families sitting there you know, as we went past or walked past, we waved to them. They waved back, but you could see they, they had eyes, um, behind their eyes was, was emptiness. You know, they'd been displaced from everything they knew, everything they grew. Um, I 
took we went into this um, this area where uh, they it was like a daycare center and it was full of color, full of hope. And there were these three pictures on the wall and they were, they were drawn in charcoal and black and white. And um, I was, I was drawn to them. Actually, we were all drawn to them. So I went over and had a look. The, the young lady's name, the young girl's name, she was nine, um, was on the picture. And she drew a picture of her and her sister on a swing. And then the next picture, it was just her, no swing. So her sister was killed in the, um, you know, in, in the turmoil in Afghanistan. And, um, she didn't know where her parents were, you know, and it's that sort of stuff that brings you right back to reality. But the third picture she had was herself and she had the sun come up and birds, you know, and, and you saw that glimmer of hope um, that she had. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I, I guess I posted, uh, I think, a couple of days later, you know, just just a lot of my cousins, a lot of my good friends are on the, the Freedom March and that's fine. That's their thing. Um, but, you know, just reminding them that that freedom lost is not what we see here in New Zealand. There's, um, there's people around the world that are just, yeah. Do you think that glimmer of hope yeah. is because they are, is that they're now seeing a more positive future or is that glimmer of hope somehow innate? Do, do, do we always have that at the core? I, I think children always have that um, at the core. Um, and and we learn, we can learn a lot from that in terms of being positive, um, you know. And, and it's it's this whole thing where you know as adults we often try and plant weeds, gardens of weeds in the minds of our children, where they've only got flowers, you know. And um, and and if we if we continue to plant weeds in their gardens, then they grow up only knowing the weeds, you know. Where we nurture the flowers that's in their mind, then they will continue to plant gardens of flowers. So um, I, you know, th th there is hope. Um, we were lucky to have interaction with a couple of people. Um, while we were there, there was a, a, an ex-politician and a doctor who were heading to New Zealand. And so a number of the people on the compound, they're going to different countries. And so we met a couple that were heading to New Zealand. And interestingly, we got a photo this morning um, that one of them had arrived in Nelson. So, um, you know, that... That, that transition from um, uncertainty to hope. Um, let's hope that, that when they're in New Zealand, we do offer them hope. And I guess that was one of my calls um, to, to my whanau, to our people, to say, you know, we're a people of Manakitanga, we are spouse of Manakitanga, but a lot of us don't know that these things are happening and, and we've got people within our communities that, um, that we're not showing enough Manakitanga to. So, yeah, just trying to employ our whanau to be more accepting let's take the first of your music choices let's have the bgs uh, got to get a message why this one i grew up around my nan and kuru um so i i, I was born in tauranga grew up around my nan and kuru and 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 my my kuru had a kiwi fruit orchard and every morning used to play music um while he was working and and i just remember these this song um from from him playing that music and um yeah I, I guess it gives me memories of my childhood and and the humble beginnings um you know the struggle and yeah so whenever i hear the song it sort of brings back all of those um those memories of my, of my childhood and my nan and my koro and my whanau
we talk about hope so much on this show and I just wonder how do you think we instill that hope that you've been overseas that that hope that has come from loss and that ability to identify goodness um, in contrast to the horrendousness that people have had to live through how do we how do we do that here in Aotearoa when people just have no clue of what that suffering is? We're, we're not being able to go and get a latte as, as extreme suffering in Aotearoa compared to the loss that, that these young people you're talking about have faced. How do, we, how do we still generate that positive hope message and get people to think in a, towards a positive future? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think um, that a lot of our people, um, and, and I'm talking um, Māori, have short memories. Um, you know, I'm, no, I'm, I'm in no way comparing what's happening, um, the atrocities overseas to, um, to, dif- to different peoples, uh, to what happened here in, in Aotearoa, New Zealand, but our ancestors went through some of that same trauma. Um, and, you know, we, we have a, 
are symptomatic and a systematic inheritance of that trauma. And to see people um, protesting around loss of freedom, like you say, the inability to go and get a latte, or um, you know, on a more serious note, they the um, losing their jobs because um, of the choices that people make to get vaccinated or not to get vaccinated. You know, if we if we were truly too to do to ourselves and our fucker papa, um, we would um, remember what our our ancestors went through and just just quickly going back to that song um the preacher um looked at me and he smiled you know one of my one of the the wishes of my nan for me was to become a ratana minister um and i fulfilled that wish for her um and became a fully registered um ratana minister probably about three or four years ago which was probably a 14 year 15 year journey um but in I, I wanted to use that as an example of hope because we had hahi, um, Māori like that, and I like bringing to like Pai Marire, that whose main purpose, uh, purpose was to instill hope and faith within our people. You know, um, religion was the vehicle, uh, but the, the purpose was um, faith and hope. And, um, you know, certainly the, the teachings of um, those hahi, whether it be Ratana, Ringatu, or um, Pai Marire, there are, there are about three key principles, um, Māori mana mutuhake, te reo Māori and the treaty. Um, you know, so when we look at ourselves and, and compare it to how others are going overseas, um, we have to be thankful um, for the resilience and resistance of our old people who gave us hope, who gave us hope as Māori to flourish, and we've seen the fruits of that flourish um that flourishing now we've seen a huge shift in Aotearoa New Zealand um you know we've still got uh we've still got the racism we've still got the hate but there's hope that that will change mm. do you see a link between those principles and the response of the of the government to the pandemic that taking that sort of that, that well-being being kind all of that and, and and cautious, protective approach. Does that come from a similar place in terms of the values? Yes, um, I think so. I think that um, yeah, 18 months ago, up to about 12 months ago, that that, that kindness and um, sort of tolerance for each other had to be reinforced. Um, but as we came on a little bit in high, my own, my own Fakato was that, um, you know, fatigue, with the whole um, sort of lockdown, lockdown, and and so it started to set in, and um, yeah, I, I have some strong beliefs in different areas, um, but I think yeah, in, in all um, hope, faith, and love is what we have to what we have to hold on to, yeah. That be kind message. Whether we're Māori, whether we're Pākehā. Yeah. That yeah. be kind message perhaps faded over the extension of the of the pandemic mm. response at a time when we also saw a increasing grumpiness. Do you think that we're going to, you know, are we likely to see a, a sort of an active return to that 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 being kind message. I think for the large part, for the large part, 
in, in Aotearoa New Zealand that that message still resonates. You know, I think the fact that we, we're nearing 90% of the country being fully vaccinated has meant that a large part of the country have moved, you know, and, and still um, that be kind resonates. You know, there's a lot of noise and they're quite loud. Uh, and obviously it's the 10% in, uh, um, of, of the country that are loud. Um, their presence is amplified through, you know, we know through different um, through different mediums, especially on social media, and it's meant that that some Fano have turned against Fano and friends against friends. Um, but you know, you're trying to reach that space of mutual respect. You know, you have a you've made a decision. I respect your decision. Um, I may not agree with it, but it's not not for me. Well, actually, I may have a different view. It's not for me to agree or disagree with your decision, um, but likewise for mine, you know. But it's you know, even even me when I post things, because I'm I'm pro-vax. I'll, I'll just be straight up and say that I'm pro-vax, um, and and I am pro-choice, but um, also you know, fully aware of consequences of choices. But um, in 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 saying that, if I'm posting like a goes here to get vaccinated and then you know you, you see some of our whanau who are anti-vax feel the need to comment or think we're talking about them so you know um yeah sort of resigned myself to the fact earlier on and, and it was hard to be kind <laughs> it was really hard to be kind but but you you have to you have to you know when 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 ignorance screams um intelligence remains silent bubble sprite of the forest of orakadui Dunedin's favorite goddess you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and your beloved universes. And I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around this journey all on together proving to be very rewarding, very sustained and illuminating for you more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect in here, making it better. Thank you. So as we know, for the last more than two years, our planet has been grappling with so many shifts and changes, so many new ways of doing, being, seeing, feeling, are having to be communicated and practiced every day. And together we are sharing a new consensus reality in which we are in the midst of a global pandemic and in which we must do our best to care for ourselves and each other as best we can and it's so important at this time that we are understanding that we are compassionate we are kind that we are loving that we are grateful that we are patient with ourselves with all the different parts of ourselves that we know so far and the parts that we don't and the same with everyone else of course we're all doing our best at all times we're all learning at all time we're all healing at all time we're all growing at all time and my favourite, we're all loving at all times. And of course, when we can remember this and celebrate this with each other, for me, it brings me so much joy and peace. So of course, we find ourselves in the month of December. And I've had a wonderful day today for December. Uh, beautiful Upoko, David Ellison from Karatani and I were going to go to a big unveiling in the octagon but he wasn't feeling very well so I had a bit of a change of plans and I ended up going to the wonderful Gardens New World and being given a voucher which was very kind 
saying all of you know my my kindness to them and all of this being recognized with the gift of a voucher so I was very grateful and then of course I thought well I would really love to give this voucher to the Dunedin night shelter because I really really love the work that they do and particularly at this time and particularly of course in the month of December it's so important to acknowledge all of those people in our community who really really need our help and all those people in our community who are helping and so I got some nice chockies and all that as well and then I went to the Dunedin night shelter and it was so lovely because it's just such a beautiful homely caring environment and a safe place and a place of peace and a place where people can come and rest and sleep and be looked after and completely loved unconditionally without judgment what a beautiful beautiful precious place the night shelter is so i really hope that for you today and in the midst of December, you're seeing around you acts of love acts of caring you're able to enjoy practicing showing your love and appreciation in whatever way works best for you that you're able to find moments of peace throughout your day where you can appreciate just how far you've come and all of the manaki or the afi all the aroha that you have been sharing all of the care and assistance that you have given those around you and that i really hope you have received and are receiving and i'll look forward to talking to you again soon thanks so much Kakite. you're listening to blowing bubbles we're talking with charlie arahiri Charlie, so you're in MIQ in Christchurch. Why is it Christchurch? Is that just where your, your plane came in? Yeah, well, actually, it's funny. You don't know where you're going. You don't know where you're going until you get to Auckland and then the army hop on the plane and then they tell you where you're going. Um, and, you know, you, you can see why COVID um, hasn't penetrated our country as much as it had others. Yeah, when we were in Indonesia, they were telling us stories of how they were losing a thousand people a day um, during the pandemic, and they had cases upwards of ten thousand per day. You know, in in New Zealand, when we arrived back in the country, as hoha as it was, it took two years to get uh, two two hours to get through. You could see the the necessity of it. So a health screening check, then they check your documents, then they check where you're going. You know, and then you go through another um, a test. Um, but I have to say, we had 16 tests while we were away, and New Zealand is the worst. <laughs> so it's like in New Zealand, it's like they're digging for gold, you know, when they go down. But um, in some of the other countries, that, that the tests are really shallow, um, you know, in your nostrils. And then we had two countries where we had saliva tests. But the turnaround in terms of results was so fast. I think the longest time we waited was eight hours for a result. Um, you know, whereas here you could wait for up to up to twenty four to forty eight hours. So um, yeah, so that that was that was seeing how you know the testing regimes in different countries um, sort of gave us a little bit of an idea of of you know what how we compare um, in terms of those testing regimes. But certainly uh, our our border controls you know as i said as whole high as it was and it took two hours to get through you could see the point of it and its purpose and it's worked 
So are you doing laps of the room? How are you not going crazy in the in your box? Yeah, we're allowed out. So we're allowed out. Um, and it's really it's really hard because you know you you can't run um, in the exercise area, and I think it's probably about a forty meter loop in a circle. They've just got to keep walking around and around and around in the circle. Um, we try and do it for the complete hour that we're out. Um, I think today I got three and a half k's, which was which was good. But you you need it. And um, you know, Fano was saying to me, "Oh, get up and get fresh air." Well, it's difficult because you have to wear your mask even while you're exercising. So, um, yeah, but it's good just to get up and stretch the legs. But um, I've never, because I'm an extrovert, so being locked in four walls is really difficult for me. But um, yeah, I, I did some Maori meditation, um, downloaded some Maori meditation apps, the Spotify meditation apps. You know, just to calm the agitations. <laughs> Is your whole work team in the same hotel? Only three of us travelled. So because of COVID, there were three in the delegation. Um, myself, the minister, and um, Ministry of Foreign Affairs official. Um, yeah, so the three of us are in the hotel. Minister's next door, and then he's in the next room. Yeah. So are you, you carrying on work from, from your new office? Yes. And that, that's what's got us through, I think. The, the flow of work has been... Um, very busy um and so you know you 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 know you try and you i was advised try and keep a routine don't stay in bed get up have a shower do things you would do at home just to keep a routine and so you, i'd get on my laptop around eight in the morning and then i'd look up and it'll be three o'clock and i'm like yes <laughs> that day's gone just today's the longest day and it's probably because i'm going home tomorrow but um yeah do they just turf you out on the street, or do, where do they do? They t return you back to where your original booking was. Yeah, they return everyone back to Auckland unless you make your own arrangements. So I made my own arrangements to go home. So I fly from Christchurch straight to Tauranga. Exciting. What's yeah, What's first on the list to do when you when you're allowed out? Um, oh, well, to the airport, of course, but when I get home and see my kids, um, my wahine, and um, have a boil up. <laughs> have you printed off your pass? <laughs> I have, and I've, I've, I've sort of saved it as this the lock screen on my phone, and it worked yesterday. So rather than fiddling through my phone to find it, it's on the lock screen, and you just pull it up. Yeah. Charlie, we've seen lots of changes in society over the last couple of years what do you think is going to stick and perhaps more importantly what do you hope will stick tolerance i hope the tolerance for each other will stick um you know i um i was talking to someone a while ago and you know when the whole um here poor poor thing surfaced earlier in the year around um the anxieties around maori and co-governance and things like that um maori wards um you know what what really struck struck me um you know and when um Brash did his, his speech in 2004 in Ottawa, um you know which was highly racially motivated um and the the the, the polls for national went boom straight up you know, when that happened this year, when Ms. Collins did it, they went down. So, you know, that was a clear indication that the country has shifted. You know, and I, and I do think, um, you know, I do think that, that that's in large part to the new generation we have 
um, leading the country, and I mean our Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, um, you know, they're from that generation. They say it takes three generations to restore a language, but it also takes three generations for tolerance of a culture. And I think that um, her generation is not that generation, it's the next generation, um, you know, and that we will be a more tolerant Aotearoa and our nationhood will be defined by the fact that we find the value of our um, unique cultural difference from the rest of the world is our te ao Māori lens, you know, and that value add is um, actually, um, you know, we, when we go over for our, for our OEs overseas, you know, what's the one thing that binds us together? It's the haka. You know, you see everyone doing the haka and it's a celebration of who we are uniquely as New Zealand. Nobody else can own that, um, although they've tried, but nobody else can own that special part of who we are. And so once, when we recognise that our, our cultural difference is the fact that we are all New Zealand, uh, you know, we are all New Zealanders, but we um, recognise the fact that we have come from a bicultural history and now have a multicultural society. So the, the level of embracing of each other um, has increased, in my opinion, and, and it, yeah. Charlie, you're so right. I remember um, as we were getting ready to go down to Wellington to hand over the petition for Māori wards to Tamati on the steps of the parliament, and I went to my son's class, and these are like years, he was year six then, these little kids looked at me with absolute horror that this even needed to be a thing. They, they, it had, they had enough understanding of the treaty and the importance of the treaty and the shared governance kind of thinking of the treaty for them to know that it was so wrong that this is a thing we had to do that wasn't already done. Mm. And that's that next generation we will see so much incredible change and it's so exciting. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Mm. I was involved in a program where we um, were assisting teachers. Um, it's called Te Ahu Te Reo Māori, and it's um, assisting teachers with um, not only ma um, Reo Māori, but um, the history of the language. And there was over 100 teachers in Tauranga, but it's, the pilot was throughout Waikato. They have plenty, and I think it's Whakatane next year. But, um, you know, the, even that shift, that shift is huge in terms of the content of what we teach. And, you know, it was, it was interesting talking to the teachers when there was that move a couple of years ago to, to, have, um, to make te reo Māori compulsory in schools. You know, the, the very ones who, who um, sort of um, didn't refuse it but weren't in favour of that were Māori. You know, and the reason why is that we don't like compulsion. It was, um, it was placed on us for a number of years, so why would we do that on others? Instead, let's look at making our history compulsory so that we can learn each other so that every child in every school and every family knows the true history of this country and that by doing that we can build a greater a New Zealand with a greater understanding of each other and that we're confident in each other and in ourselves and that can be portrayed to the world um, which is exactly what we saw when we went around the world you know when we went to Indonesia the foreign affairs minister of Indonesia opened her meeting with uh, Minister Mahuta with her pepeha you know, she took the time to learn her pepeha um, and, and that's how, you know, she made that link. Uh, and they don't have to do that. You know, Indonesia being the fourth biggest country, economy, uh, country in the world who want to talk to New Zealand. And it's not because we've got money, because we've got nothing compared to them. I mean, I probably shouldn't say that, but um, it's, it's the value, you know. It's the value that we bring. Same as the Emirati, 
um, you know, same as, you know, just wherever we went, it was our value add, our place in the Pacific, and um, yeah. What was the message in the expo? What's, what's, what's our pavilion saying? Uh, our pavilion was, um, it was awe-inspiring. So the, the, the pavilion told the story of the Whanganui Awa and the Awa being recognised as a as a, a identity. Um, and whether you're from Whanganui um, or whether you're from anywhere else in the world, as soon as you walk in and the water flows, you connect straight back to your ipukaria or your body of water. And if you close your eyes, if I close my eyes, I could see my river in Tauranga. I could see Tauranga Moana. Um, you know, I could see Te Moana or Toi. You know, and, and it's water. It's the water that connects us. It's the water that makes us who we are, you know, and it's strongly driven by our maramataka um, because we are lunar cycle people, not a Gregorian or a sun people. Um, you know, we know that the moon controls um, our emotions and a large part of our body. So that that's, that's what we got when we first walked through and that's the effect that they wanted and it worked. And then you got through to this other room where New Zealand's um, innovative prowess was um, was shown to the world, you know, in um, horticulture and agriculture and fisheries, sustainable fisheries, um, you know, the um, film and television co uh, culture, um, you know, and of the embracing of, of every other culture. Um, and you get this big, huge ringing of Dave Dobbins, you know, there's a woman with her hands trembling, hired in my... So it's just welcoming, you know, it's, it's New Zealand. Um, you know, some of the other pavilions, the do the United Arab Emirates and the Saudi Arabian pavilion, you know, that they their pavilions were state of the art. Um, but New Zealand's pavilion was still visited, was up there in terms of visitors num visitor numbers. I think when we were there, they they clocked over two hundred and fifty thousand visitors. But the pavilion was only a part of it. Um, what 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 they also did is created a space for New Zealand business to be showcased. So they, they created a cafe, which is busy. People are lining up to go into that cafe that just, that showed New Zealand food. Um, you know the, the culinary skills pavlova, um, and um, and then there was an area, a meeting area where other where you could host events, and so that was different to a lot of other pavilions as well. Um, you know. We went into the, um, the the United Arab Emirates Pavilion, and it was all about dreams. You know, in 50 years, 50 years ago, they had a dream. You know, and and they used the metaphor. As soon as they knew, realized that they could turn sand into glass, their world changed. And it wasn't about the money; it was about their people. Um, you know, and it was based on dreams. And and that was it's exactly the same as us here in New Zealand in terms of of Te Ao Māori. Um, you know, the dreams and aspirations, Te Puya had dreams, others had um, Ratana, Tuahomene, whoever, our Poropiti, they all had dreams. Um, iwi Taketake in Australia and um, Canada and the United States, we all have that same um, same sort of, you know, the, 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 the belief in that if we manifest our dreams, everything is possible. Um, and so, yeah, that that was that was probably one of the highlights for me is seeing that, um, yeah, our pavilion it was impressive. Mm. Let's squeeze so we don't in. Talk about ourselves. 
Let's squeeze in the second of your music choices. Let's have the real thing. You are everything. To me, you are everything. No, I've got the wrong. You, to me, are everything. Got there eventually. Why this one? Well, it's a favourite karaoke song of mine. Um, but, it, but it, again, it's, it, it also reminds me of my family. Um, and I always grounded when I think of my family. You know, it doesn't matter where we go or what we do. Um, that whānau is everything. Um, and um, they've always got your back. You know, we had a minor interaction in Canada. I'll tell you this little story. We had a minor interaction in Canada where um, the, a reporter from, from New Zealand, um, you know, that she had written her story before she even met the minister and she was quite um, aggressively trying to catch the minister hopping out of a car or things like that. So, she, you know, and, and highlighting the fact that um, that she's been plagued by back problems on the journey and they showed this clip, which was unflattering. And I told her that when I saw her the next day, um, you know, and just, just asked her, you know, this is the opportunity to amplify New Zealand's presence and what we have to offer. You know, that would be more of a story than trying to get some gotcha journalism going. Um, and it just shows the interaction that I had, um, <laughs> which was, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed, but it was what it is. Um, but, you know, that the I got a message from my mum um, in the middle of the night because it was two o'clock in the morning when it showed and on the six o'clock news here in New Zealand. And um, I got woken up by all these things ringing on my phone and people were messaging me saying, saw you on news, people saying different things. Well, it was all positive, but um, the one that struck me was my mum. You know, she doesn't normally talk like this, but she said, um, I'm proud of you, son. That's, those are the boys that I raised. Um, you know, uh, and it, was, it wasn't, I was lucky I was civil. You know, because I can <laughs> tend to, to fly off the, the handle. Um, but it was more about caring for others. And it's that be kind message, you know. Um, but, yeah, so you to me are everything. Um, I guess it's about my mum. It's about my family. It's about my nan. Um, yeah, and, and it sort of just, just grounds me back to my ukaipo, where I'm from, um, who I am, that, you know, you make mistakes. I've made some serious mistakes in my past, but they, you know, you got to treat them as as lessons, and try not to do it again.
a change of heart If it takes forever, girl, then I'm prepared to wait The day you give your love to me won't be a day too late lessons do you think we can take from the pandemic and the pandemic response for the sorts of things that we can't solve by staying at home for a, a few weeks and, and stay in an MIQ hotel? I'm thinking of things like climate change, social justice, systemic racism, the things that, that really challenge our society. Can we learn anything for those? Yeah. I, I, we absolutely we can, um, and I think what what the um, the pandemic has meant for a lot of people is we ask we're asking ourselves what are we leaving our children, what are we leaving our mukopuna, so the decisions we make now you know and I know can no longer be about ourselves. We have to make decisions that set foundations for our future generations. Um, we have to be um, forward thinking and focused on um, what would Aotearoa New Zealand look like for our children um, uh, moving forward. You know, the, the environment, we saw it come to life during lockdown because it had a chance to, re to, to revive itself. I know in Tauranga, you know, we saw dolphins in our harbour. We saw kereru in the city, um, you know, which is what we, we would never see um, in, in any other time. But as soon as the restrictions were lifted, we went back to the humans we were before, you know, parting, leaving rubbish all over the streets and things like that. Um, and we don't give enough credence to our taiao, to our environment, to each other, um, and, and, yeah, and, and to our children. Charlie, I have some questions to end the show and not very much time, so we shall have to rattle through them. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? My sons, my two sons, they've changed me. You know, your decisions are no longer just about you. We are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? 
my indige my indigeneity. I think I'm I'm uncompromisingly Maori, but I'm proudly New Zealander. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? I think I'm a pacifist. I like I like to influence change without being angry. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? The desire to do good and serve. And count off one more day in that hotel room. Yeah, well, I'm counting hours now. So <laughs> I've moved from days to hours. <laughs> what is the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? understanding the role that I've got <laughs> you know it's it's every day's uh, a learning curve and you know just very quickly I think I, whilst we were at Dubai I had a wow moment I had a wow moment when um, Nanaya was talking at this women's expo and um, I, I realized how much how fortunate I am to be learning off and working with probably one of the best Māori politicians we will ever see And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? It's cliche, but be kind. Um, you know, respect everyone's decisions and you don't have to agree with it. And I remember my kōro said to me one time, um, if you disagree with somebody, then you're going to have an argument. But if you have a different view, you're going to have a conversation. Thank you for that. Mawera. Oh, that's words to live by. Charlie, um, I am such a big fan of your work uh, and I love what you do and what you stand for. And I think that we're really, really lucky to have you in our community. But I think that especially you're lucky, your kids are lucky to have you as a dad. You're a great role model and um, the commitment that you've made on every level. Um, I think we have all a lot to be thankful for. So keep up the good work and keep being you. And, and um, I wish you all the best for your reconciliation with your whānau tomorrow. Thank Thanks you. for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For the first thought of Christmas my true love gave to me Infinite possibilities For the second thought of Christmas my true love gave to me United and infinite possibilities For the third thought of Christmas My true love gave to me Three spirits dancing Two hearts united And infinite possibilities For the fourth thought of Christmas My true love gave to me Four directions calling Three spirits dancing Two hearts united Christmas, my 
blowing bubbles and sort of conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Laura Storyvella, The Twelve Thoughts of Christmas. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Mwira Karatai in Whakatane, and we have been joined from MIQ in Christchurch by Charlie Rahiri. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. For the twelfth part of Christmas, my true love gave to me This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.